You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. The Kansas City Chiefs wrapped up organized team activities this week. Next week, they've got mandatory minicamp coming up. We'll begin today's show with Chiefs Coast to Coast. They discussed skinny Frank Clark. Don't know if you've seen those pictures floating around of Frank in his workout videos, but he looks like he's shed some serious pounds this offseason. After that, we're going to catch up with the Arrowhead Pride editor show. They answered some of the biggest questions they have as we look ahead towards mandatory minicamp. After that, we're going to take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll finish things up with the Great British Chiefs show. They discuss the Chiefs AFC West rivals and the talent that those teams have added this offseason and whether or not those teams are truly a threat to the Chiefs division title streak. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Uh, you kind of brought this to my attention. I hadn't seen this. This was a football camp at North High School. I don't think it was local to the KC area, but uh, Frank Clark has a different appearance. I'm wondering if you think uh, him slimming down can help his game. So, yeah, when I first saw the photos, I ain't going to lie to you, I really didn't think it was him to be at first. I was like, wow, okay. Um, I didn't really know how to process it. I'm still kind of digesting it as we speak, but I will say this. I think considering that he's an edge rusher, it could benefit with his speed off the edge. Yeah. You know, his bend and getting to the quarterback quicker because I mean, he, he's a strong guy. He's been strong, but that's not really, that wasn't really his, his strength. Right. Cause when he was in his prime, it was all about his speed. Like, he got great speed off the edge. He's one of those guys that's very explosive. He can get there in so-and-so seconds. And we haven't seen that the past couple of years. He's been very slow and, you know, just really kind of stuck in mud, to be honest with you. Like, he's getting some pressures here and there, but he's not closing the deal. So this could be a good thing, but I'm not going to overanalyze it too much right now. Yeah, this is best shape of your life season, right? Like, every player is going to say that. Every picture we see of a guy from a certain angle – we're going to start thinking that they in the best shape of their life and that kind of thing. I'm not putting any weight into this whatsoever, man. This is another off-season topic. Now, would it help him to, 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 to lose some weight and get off the edge? Sure. I didn't think he was in necessarily bad shape last year, but maybe some of the conditioning issues that we saw. We know this is a guy that also is known to have, like, uh, he, he's had some stomach issues in the past that have kind of flared up towards the start of training camp and sometimes during the regular season that have limited his availability in practice. And maybe that's why he's uh, kind of stuck in mud, as you said, uh, towards the end of the year. This D-line room, man, I, I mean, if we talk about wide receiver two for the first eight episodes of this podcast, we're going to be talking about this D-line room for the next 80 episodes of this podcast because they just haven't done enough to really help 
ease Chiefs Kingdom's concerns after how we saw them go out last year, man. One sack against a unit they gave up nine sacks the, the week before. Uh, they need an improved Frank Clark, and maybe losing 10 to 15 helped him out. Yeah, and back to the D-line, it seems like, and at this point, it's, this is kind of concerning to me, but they're putting a lot of stock in Karloftis being that guy in year one. In year one. Absolutely. And, and, you know, he's a guy that got a lot of pressures, but if you look at his sack totals at, in college, he only had seven sacks last year. Seven. He's raw. He's seven. raw. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's right. only been playing the game for so long, too. Like, no, 100%. 100%. Yeah. That's my point, though. That's my point. They didn't do much to address the D-line, so he's going to have to play heavy snaps right now on paper. I mean, because between him and Frank Clark, who else are you relying on on the edge? No more Melvin Ingram. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Chris Jones is back inside now. So, I mean, I, they're going to have to grow up fast. Do you uh, have any faith in uh, what about Kando taking the next step? Well, I want to believe in Kando, but how much do the Chiefs actually believe in him? But maybe you're going to have to now because your depth is a lot thinner than it was last year. So uh, he's a guy that I think they just don't want to throw away. I mean, they spent, what, a fourth-round pick on him? So in, in that range, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's a guy that you want to get some production out of. You don't want to just be a wasted pick. I mean, he's still very young. Out of high school, this guy was a five-star recruit. Obviously, the things didn't go exactly well how you wanted it to at Florida State, but the raw talent is obviously there. I mean, the guy passes all the measurables. He has long arms. He's very athletic. He's big, fast. So, like I said, man, it, right now, as of right now, unless they get a veteran or make a trade like they did for Melvin Ingram in the middle of the season last year, they're going to depend on Korloftis and then potentially Kando to grow up and be productive this year because you can't put all that weight on Frank Clark. I mean, look at his injury history. I never want to predict injuries, but is he really going to play 17 games? Highly unlikely. So you're going to have to have other guys that haven't produced or you haven't even seen yet be contributors this year. I mean, Mark, you know what time it is with me and Frank Clark. I think I wrote about this on Arrowhead Pride, uh, one of my first stories. I thought it was time for the Chiefs to kind of move on from him. This is a a deal that hasn't really worked out from him in the last recent years. Four and a half sacks last year, which was uh, – I'm actually kind of surprised it was four and a half. Over, <laughs> under, uh, four and a half. Where, where do you have Frank Clark next year? I'll go over. I'll go over. Just because I think he's going to have more opportunities. I, I would say also he's probably going to be healthier coming into the season. Yeah. Last year there was some of that legal issue stuff too. And I don't know, man. He, I, I just look at the Chiefs D-line on paper and still feel like they could use another move or two. And that's even, like you said, considering Carlotta is a rookie and trying to exceed those expectations. It's just uh, – <laughs> it's starting in another one of these offseason topics that I've seen a lot on the timeline is like, Oh, well, you know, Chris Jones' contract could kind of get moved too. Like, this could be his last season with Casey. Uh, if it was the O line uh, for Reach that first time around after the Super Bowl, and then we saw the DBs get, re- get reloaded and, and the safety room as well, I think the D line is probably under construction, if you will. Put the hard hatch on, on Brett Beach. Yeah, you can even throw a receiver in there uh, yeah. to a certain extent as well, as far as being revamped. So, yeah, man, I really believe that the Chiefs are going to have to make a move. I'm not sure who's out there, but 
there's always going to be a potential trade partner before the trade down, like that they got Melvin Ingram for nothing. Yeah, that was, that was the big deal because right because we pretty much assumed that Ingram was going to be back, right? Like that was pretty much the assumption after the season. Like, yeah, he's probably going to be back, and they gave they had the tender option, and then yeah. he joined Tyreek Hill in Miami. But that was definitely a blow. I think the tender probably should have told us in hindsight, right? The tender told us that they weren't going to get him. And I actually remember asking Brett Beach this uh, on Zoom because uh, we had never heard of this tender. I think there was a couple of NFL insiders, too, yeah, that were like, yo, used. this is, this rarely, is rarely used. They never yeah. really heard of it. Uh, and, and I asked Brett Beach after that kind of got applied. He talked with the media on Zoom for about 30 minutes. And he's really great with kind of breaking th- things down. And as far as asking anyone in the Chiefs organization questions on the record, I think you get the most transparent and clear information from Brett Veach. And he was basically saying, hey, we don't really know which way he's leaning, uh, but this is an option if he doesn't come back. And I think that answer was probably the PR way of saying it's probably not going to work out. And this is what we're getting uh, in return. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride editor show, we're well over an hour. Uh, so behind the scenes, that's when Steve usually punches me in the back, like it gives me those kidney shots and says, <laughs> Pete, I tried. I, you, I want you to keep it under an hour. I know. I'm sorry. There's just too much to talk about. But I want to get into quickly, and I'll go through these quickly here. John, if you want to say or react to anything, I'm going to pass along here. Just let me know. Um, just some insights from last week's media look. Don't forget, during voluntary OTAs, we are allowed to look at these players once a week. It happens on Thursday. Usually, we record the editor show on Wednesday, so I'll be going back on Thursday. Look for the insights uh, before our next editor show. On I've been posting them to my Twitter. We also have the quotes and articles and press conferences on arrowheadpride.com. Here's what I've uh, noticed so far that I, I think is worth bringing up on the podcast. These are the players absent in both media looks. And I want to emphasize uh, the Chiefs are saying, you know, they're, they're not concerned with this, and they really shouldn't be. They, they are voluntary. But Orlando Brown, who's not technically under contract at this point, uh, Frank Clark, uh, we don't know, Dries Fountain, which is a little weird. Nicole Hardman has been absent from both, but he tweaked his hamstring. Uh, so we're waiting to see what happens with that. Chris Jones is a little bit uh, unknown, and uh, Lucas Niang. Uh, has been absent, which is to be expected. We we kind of figured that that would be the case. wasn't a guarantee, and he has been um, out. We'll see about Niang for for training camp. Uh, anything shocking to you with the double absences there? There's been players that have been absent that first media look and the second one, but these are the guys who were absent for both. I'd agree with it with you that Darius Fountain's kind of a surprise. He's not in a position that he can afford to give up any time. In practice, yeah. I, I wonder I think, if there's an injury there that we just don't yeah, know about. Yeah, that could be. That's that's entirely possible. Because the Chiefs don't want to tell us about injuries if they don't have to, and they don't have to right now. So that may be a situation where he's got some little uh, minor nagging injury and they're letting it play out. But you would think he would want to be on the field at this point. But that's the only one that really surprises me from that list. We'll see if Hardman is out there tomorrow. Uh, we haven't seen him again, but Andy Reid said that he's been dealing with hamstring. Worth watching. Uh, so even though Sky Moore and Legere Sneed have been at practice, they have been nursing, it looks like, some injury issue, and they're not trying to press them. Sky Moore has been doing with his hammy since before rookie camp. A little concerning. As the longer it goes on, it gets more. I expect him to be full by training camp, but a hamstring is always weird. I just think it's just worth saying, and I don't love saying that. Uh, we just haven't really gotten to see a lot from him, and that's been sort of a bummer because – this is 
the highest offensive player they they drafted and, and someone that really needs to help fill the void of Tyree Kill being a Miami Dolphin. And, and so we'll see what happens with the hammy. And then there was a mention by Andy Reid about Legereus Sneed and, and some kind of knee issue and, and needing to develop strength there. And he's been limited as well when it comes to the, the team workouts. So I just think it's it's worth noting. And it's more of a note for, I think, well, what are they doing during mandatory minicamp? And if they're still limited, it's still not really reason to worry. It's if we get to training camp right. and all of a sudden more right. sneeders still not working, then I then I think it's time to you know, do the whistles and the bells and whatever. Uh, right now, at wide receiver, uh, I uh, continue to try to explain it. I don't know if Justin Ross is going to make the team, which is not the, uh, the most popular uh, uh, take in, in the world. I like some combination, if I'm having a guess now, uh, uh, of Justin Watson, who offers you something at special teams, Josh Gordon, I know that's hard to say, and uh, Darius Fountain. I think it's a combination of two out of those three guys over Justin Ross. That's my very, very, very early take that can change if Ross, when they throw the pads on, starts to dominate. This I could easily have them in my second version of the 53-man projection, uh, you know, Ross over one of these guys. But right now, I think it's a... I think Watson is going to make the team. I, I really like this Justin Watson kid. I, I know it sounds crazy. He's not a rookie. He, you know, he spent mm-hmm. a couple of years yeah. in Tampa Bay. Experienced player. He's special teams. <clears throat> I know that at the end of the wide receiver room, they tend to like special teams, uh, especially that sixth spot. The fifth spot can go a couple different ways. And I think Josh Gordon gets another real opportunity. If Watson is a shoe in let's say, for that sixth spot, the fifth spot may come down to Gordon versus Ross. And so I know a lot of people would be like, well, we know what Gordon is. Throw Ross in there. I think Ross just needs to show more. Uh, we'll see uh, if he can have a couple more tweet videos of catching the ball one handed, John. You never <laughs> you never do know. <clears throat> well, I'd just like uh, to point out for all of you who are steaming over Pete's Justin yeah, Ross sorry. take. It's at PG Sween yeah, on please. Twitter. It, that's it. I love <laughs> mentions. Just the more mentions. About all right. Uh, I noted this before. MVS appears to be the guy. Also, uh, Juju was not at last practice, and we don't really know why. He, he could just skip it if he wants. Uh, McCole Hardman hasn't been working. Sky Moore hasn't been working. So that plays into it, too. It just seems yeah. like Mahomes has the best rapport with MVS, but the other guys who are expected to be the other receivers haven't really been going. Uh, I'm not sure Chad Henney has anything to worry about. We, I know I had noted that Shane Bouchelle could threaten his backup job, but I don't know. I just think he'll. I think he'll be the backup this year. I saw uh, Malik Herring bat down another pass. I think that was a good sign. Really excited for both Herring and Carl Loftus in padded practices, which we won't get for another couple months here. Uh, and I noted this on Twitter. Joshua Williams stood out. Fourth round, HBCU uh, defensive back. He was impressive on one-on-one reps, intercepted Henny during the team period, broke up a pass in seven-on-seven. Uh, much like the offensive line last year, uh, the Chiefs went from weak to strong depth wise to me in the defensive back room. Now it isn't the Joe Tooney's and Orlando Brown and the names that, that I think, I think they really became stronger there. And like, I think think more Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. I think their names were going to grow to learn Mm, as opposed to Mm -hmm. splashes. And they took a lot of darts, right? Uh, So that helps because you know, you, you fire off enough of these darts, you're going to hit a bull, bullseye eventually. Uh, but I, I don't know. Like Joshua Williams was never a player that I thought I would notice during OTAs. And I think that's a very good sign. So. Well, we never thought we'd notice Rashad Fenton either. So there you go. Exactly. There's another one. All right. Yeah. Let's bring in Steve for this, this final segment. We are talking about mandatory minicamp. 
uh, questions that we have going into next week. Again, this happens on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We're each going to have two questions. And let's not repeat questions if we can, uh, guys. John, will give you the honor as the elder statesman in the room, our, our esteemed deputy editor. <laughs> what is the burning question that you have entering uh, mandatory minicamp? Well, we talked about this last week, and you just mentioned it just now. I'm very interested to see what Malik Herring can do. Uh, I, I remain convinced that uh, that Herring's uh, presence on the roster had some bearing on the decisions the Chiefs made uh, on the defensive line in the offseason. So I'm anxious to see uh, if if they can get some production out of the guy. We really know nothing about him. You know, didn't see him last year because of the injury and the red shirt season. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited to see what uh, what we can what we could expect from him. And it's not even his fault here, but in a way, Herring has almost become the free agent signing mm-hmm. because yeah. they didn't bring in Ingram. There's still time to bring in these guys after uh, what would be mandatory minicamp. Uh, veterans that are on the market right now probably don't want to go to mandatory minicamp, and I can't say I blame them. And so right. maybe. You know, you get another veteran in there. But right now, Herring seems to be this unknown guy in a way you brought in to make an impact in the room. Is that fair to him? Probably not. No, but no not at it all. It is what it is. It is yeah. what it is. That, that, that's a good point. All right, Steve, what's up, man? Let's let's hear your mandatory minicamp question. So you guys have talked about the wide receivers a lot on today's show, and I think that's one of the biggest questions that I have. And I know. Pete, you've really been pushing this is that MVS looks like he's got that good chemistry with Patrick Mahomes and like he might be like a significant portion of the offense for them this season. Now, I've been a little hesitant uh, on MVS because in Green Bay, he was legitimately just a a downfield straight line wide receiver, like just did not was it wasn't asked to do a lot of things other than mm-hmm. that. So it's not to say that he can't do that stuff. I'm just curious if he actually is their top wide receiver, if we'll get any clarity on that, if McColl and Sky Moore can actually get on the field and we can see how they're utilized a little bit. I, I just want to know what to expect from the Chiefs pass catchers, I guess. John, why why, why bring in Steve? I, I'm trying to make a point here, and he just pulls the rug. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just worried. I'm just worried. Some of this this is fantasy football too, because everybody's asking. My question, yes, I'm I'm scared of it all. My question for manager minicamp is, why did I bring Steve on the podcast? That's really (laughs) my biggest question. No, uh, no, it's a good question. I, I have my doubts too. I, I almost can't believe what I'm seeing. I just have several times I'm I'm at OTAs, and you know, fans can't be there, so we're lucky to be able to to watch. And I'm just like, who is that? I'm like, that's MVS again. So. If that continues, we we shall see. I, I I do have my questions. I mean, he was with a great quarterback in Green Bay, and it really didn't necessarily lead to you know what would be production. I, I think there's a little bit of a chip on his shoulder as well. My question has a little bit to do with that, and I it's an obvious question, but I, I think we have to say it. It's like, man, we're we're in June. There's been all these workouts. Can we see the full lot of Chiefs weapons together? Can we see Travis Kelsey with Sky Moore, McCole Hardman on the field at the same time? Juju, uh, you know, MVS, we just mentioned. Could we see Clyde in that mix? Ronald Jones, Isaiah Pacheco. Could we see the tight ends together with Noah Gray and, and Kelsey and a mix of these guys between Mahomes being absent and some of these like weird injuries and everything. We have not been able to see that yet. And mandatory manicamp, everyone has to be there. 
it'd be finally just nice to see these guys all working together and to start to have that foundation of what is a completely brand new Chiefs offense. If this is if this was the offense of previous years, I don't think that would be such a thing that would, would be on my mind. I would probably be turning to my attention to something else. But this is, in a way, personnel and player-wise, a brand new offense. And that, that's at least in player personnel-wise. I imagine the scheme is going to be completely different because of Andy Reid and how he builds his offense. So I just think getting these guys together would be great. I don't know if I can expect it just because of the injury situation and the uncertainty there for mandatory minicamp. Uh, so this could be a question that extends to you know, what would be training camp. And that, that almost seems like an expectation at that point. We'll get more information on that Thursday and another media look. And then again, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we get to be a practice all three days. All right, Steve, we'll go back to you. Snake it around. What's your second mandatory minicamp question? My second big question is, and I'm sure you guys have seen the pictures and, and workout video videos circulating. Uh, Brandon mm -hmm. Riley is the one that brought this. To oh yeah. Frank Clark. If our listeners have not seen him go, go look this up. Frank Clark looks skinny right now. And he has been putting up a lot of workout videos and pictures of stuff of everything that he's doing this off season. And Man, he looks light. Like he looks as light as I have ever seen him in a Chiefs uniform. Now, you know, he it might be best shape of his life kind kind of thing right now, where he's trying to drop weight because maybe he thinks that that has something to do with the injuries that he's kind of been picking up the last couple of years that have slowed him down. And it is essentially a contract year for Frank Clark. So since we haven't really seen him in any of the voluntary stuff yet, uh, I'm just curious to see him on the field and see if that weight loss is like actually showing up and, and if it's making him faster, if it's making him more explosive off the edge, or if it looks like he's so small that he's almost like lost some of his strength. Cause he's always been kind of a power rusher. I, I have to imagine he's looking at the contracts that Von Miller got and Chandler Jones got and Zadarius Smith got and saying like, if I put together a huge year this year, I can go get paid like one of these other veteran guys. So I'd have to imagine that has something to do with it. He just, he looks so skinny. Like it's concerning. I don't think that you want your top defensive end to be nicknamed skinny Frank. I, I think that would, <laughs> wouldn't be something that, that sounds all that enticing. Uh, I have seen it. I don't think it's anything to worry about yet. And, you know, there, there's still time to maybe put back on more weight. Frank has been a guy that has had from time to time these illnesses. And so, you know, mm -hmm. the stomach illness yeah. has cost him games before where he lost a ton of weight. You, know, you worry about it, uh, I, I think, a little bit. But we got to see how he shows up to mandatory minicamp. Again, that's the first time that guys can't be uh, or they have to be there or they are subject to a fine by the team. All right, John, what's your uh, second question here? Well, my other thing is uh, I'm wondering who's going to play left tackle while uh, yeah. Orlando Brown is uh, not, without a contract. I mean, he's he's still not going to be with, with a, a, a by, by the beginning of the mandatory minicamp. He's not going to have a new deal. I don't think we're going to see a contract signed in the next few days. So uh, who plays in that spot? Who's the guy who's going to be the backup behind Brown if he plays under the tag and if he walks away, which is, I said before, I consider unlikely. But if mm -hmm. things go crazy and he doesn't play for the Chiefs this year, who's going to be there? I don't think it's going to be Joe Tooney. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I don't think that's what the Chiefs want to do. I think the Chiefs want to have somebody there. And they've got a lot of guys in camp right now, a lot of guys on the roster. And I'd be curious to see which one of them is the guy uh, who's the backup there at left tackle. Based upon reporting guidelines, we are not – 
able to say where they line up. But we have seen videos out by the Chiefs where Andrew Wiley consistently has been the right tackle. We've seen videos where Roderick Johnson was at left. You could Jaron Christian could be a guy that's rotating with Roderick Johnson at left tackle. So uh, we may see more of that as we get to mandatory minicamp uh, and beyond. All right. What, with my last question, I, I think I'm just wondering more about the running back situation. And it's just it's been tough, I think, with voluntary workouts to really get a feel for the running backs because it's such a passing camp. So I'm just continuing to be curious as to is Rojo really going to be this lead guy? You know, my, my questions are, are both about the offense, because I I think to an extent and yes, it's younger players, but we sort of have a feel for the the defense, the offense remains just a grand mystery. Like what is Rojo's role? How does Clyde fit into that? Is it true that Clyde could maybe be the third down guy? Is he not? Is he just going to be the, the first and second? And it's going to be a series by series rotation. Maybe we start to get more clues about that. And we got a, we got a fun little battle, I think for RB three between a seventh rounder and Isaiah Pacheco, Derek Gore, the, the Gale Sayers of our lifetime. And then you have Jerry and Ely, who is has looked pretty good. You know, I, I think carrying the football, uh, maybe you get some more clues uh, about the running back room uh, as we get to mandatory and then leading into to training camp. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, there was another Arrow headline that I just had to take notice of, which uh, kind of bleeds into this conversation we're going to have about the AFC rivals. But it was something that I looked at and I thought, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I'll, read the, I'll read the title for you. Uh, five NFL teams that significantly helped their quarterback this offseason. And at number three, Tom already knows this because he did this, was Derek Carr and the Raiders, number three. Now it kind of got my kind of brain in gear a little bit about this because I then started looking around at the rest of the AFC West and thinking there's an argument to be said really about the other two teams in the AFC West as well, the Chargers and the Broncos, about could they really be helping out their teams now? I mean, yes, you know, not just the quarterback itself, but have they really set themselves in a really good position now to be challenging the Chiefs for the AFC West title because there's probably no time better than now to actually challenge the Chiefs. Would you say that's fair? I think that is a more than fair statement. This is the year. The Chiefs are in a transitional year, both offensively and most certainly defensively. We all know about the young guys that the Chiefs are born on, 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 D, on D. And offensively, we know that this is basically an entire new crop of receivers and yeah. so we don't know what to expect offensively obviously the important parts are still there on on the offensive offensive line Travis Kelsey Patrick Mahomes Andy Reid so the step down if there is one shouldn't be too great but defensively we don't know what the Chiefs are going to be and the Chiefs we know about how hard the Chiefs schedule is so absolutely this is the year for an AFC West team to put an end to the run of what six divisional titles in a row isn't it 
maybe yeah yeah maybe, maybe this will be the first yeah. maybe this maybe this will be the year that the Chargers win a title for the first time since I don't know since I think I think Philip Rivers only had one kid the last time that they, they won they won the uh, AFC West didn't they <laughs> yeah I mean the Chargers have always been touted haven't they but um but yeah I mean the, the, all three of those teams have really kind of done the I would say they've done the right things to warrant that that talk now but and previously it was always like you know the Chargers are going to be you know they're going to be the ones at the top of the Chiefs and we never saw it it never materialized over those years even though they we we thought their roster was stronger than depth wise than what the Chiefs yeah. were um and it never really seemed to materialize but it does seem as though all the teams have seen that seen that schedule that the Chiefs have got noticed yeah. that they've been losing a star player out of Tyreek Hill and and you know having to draft what, was it 10 players they got in the in the draft in the end mm-hmm. um and like you said a transitional year for the chiefs and it just meant that i thought hmm, maybe we need to start looking over our shoulders a little bit more because um yes the raiders have still got Derek carr and there's no doubt in my mind that Devontae adams is going to help him a heck of a lot this year yeah great um, and you know, there is going to be an improvement there on that side from the Raiders for sure, absolutely for sure. But not only that, you know, they've 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 got a, an excellent pass rush as well, which yeah. um, we, we Chandler Jones that. and Max Crosby exactly. You yeah, know, right. Is there is, like, there a, is there a better edge pairing in the NFL the, well, going into this year? This is what I'm looking at because I'm now looking yeah. at I'm, I'm I'm looking at like the the Chargers and they've got uh, they've got Bosa and Khalil Mack. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like yeah. it's like we've got decent quarterbacks now. I mean, Justin Herbert is 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 a, a phenomenal player. No, no two ways about it. He's a phenomenal player. Yeah. Russell Wilson is another phenomenal player who's also in the AFC West. I mean, there's mm. there's just so many good things going on in this in this division at the moment. It is definitely yeah. the one to watch for sure. And it is it it could be that that like we were saying before that a transition year that the Chiefs. They'll probably still be good, but like we were saying, the strength of the schedule, the fact that all the other teams have seemed to be mm-hmm. doing the right things now, it's going to be mouthwatering season. Oh, I think the, for, for the AFC West is just a, it is a beautiful division for a neutral, isn't it? Oh, like definitely. if you didn't have any ties to any football teams whatsoever, and you got like you can watch one division worth of football this year. Like you would watch the AFC West games. Like you go back to last year and like the Chiefs and the Chargers, they had an excellent game on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. And then that 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 season finale, the regular season finale between the Raiders and the Chargers was one of the most bonkers, greatest games of football I've ever watched in my entire life. It was yeah. just it was just bedlam. But I think they're, they're like, obviously we have question marks. We're talking about our question marks defensively, wide receiver. We all know what the Chiefs potential problems are going in. But I, I, when I look at the other three, the three AFC West teams, I think talent wise, like in terms of depth of roster, they are up there with the Chiefs. They really are, especially mm. the Chargers and the Broncos. Like they, Their rosters are so deep and the, the additions that they've made um, over the last couple of years has, has enabled them to build these really, really solid, good rosters that should be more than enough for them to challenge for, for titles. But where I think the Chiefs ha- hold the advantage over the AFC West it is 
at the two most important spaces, and that's a coaching and quarterback. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we 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 know Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the AFC. We talked about it earlier in the show, but when we talk about coaching more specifically, there's a lot of unknowns when it comes to to coaching. Yes, we can all talk about Brandon Staley's defense, which hasn't materialized in <laughs> charges yet. We can talk about Brandon Staley's like analytical mind and how he's very aggressive and and that he's clearly going to carry on being that guy that's that's who he is he's going to be aggressive but he comes with question marks how good is Brandon Staley really Josh McDaniels has been an absolute disaster as a head coach Mm. a disaster he was a disaster with the Broncos he was the Colts coach for a day before saying actually this ain't for me I'm going back to the I'm going back to the Patriots and then you've got Nathaniel Hackett who's who was clearly hired to be the Broncos uh, head coach so they could potentially get Aaron Rodgers, but that never materialized. Yeah. Like he was obviously was the, was the Packers OC. And so you've got the, all these coaches that are young, inexperienced coaches. And that's where the Chiefs hold the advantage is, is, is Andy Reid. Andy Reid is the key. It is the key in all of this. And how, how do you manage expectations? How do you manage an NFL season? Like, because there's going to be ups and downs, peaks and troughs of this NFL season, especially in the AFC West. Mm. There's going to be so much competition. Is that how do you get your guys ready for competition at an elite level? Because that's what it's going to be. It's going to be elite level competition in the AFC. And my, my money will always be on Andy Reid to get his guys ready over over the, the other three. And so, yes, the other the other teams might have better rosters from two through 53, but we have the quarterback and we have the coach and I will always back them too. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would agree with you. Andy Reid is definitely the, the, the main one in, in any equation really that is better than anybody else that we've got, that we've got in the AFC West at the moment, coaching-wise, head coach-wise. Yeah. Um, I think the key thing with the with the Chiefs this year is um, they're an, they're an unknown now. They weren't weren't an unknown before in the last few years. Clearly, because okay. we knew we knew exactly what the defense was going to be like. It was either going to be average or worse. It, that, mm-hmm. that was basically what we were going to have, and we were going to have an explosive offense, and that was what we were going to rely on. But this year is very much we've spread out a lot more. Um, yeah, you know, we've spread the roster around a little bit more. Obviously, because we have those extra draft picks where we got from Tyreek Hill. And yeah. I feel now that Andy Reid's going to do so much more with that offense. He's got so many toys to play with now. We talk about Mahomes playing with toys. Andy Reid's now got toys that he can play with now with yeah. not only just in wide receivers, but also in, in the running back stable. Um, mm. We've still got the unicorn, as you called him, of uh, Travis Kelsey as well. But the fact that we've also got some real good talent on defensive side now, the thing that the other AFC West teams have been, would have been doing, especially last year, they'll have been looking at the Chiefs as they were, and then they'll have also been trying to, you know, how do we beat the Chiefs? How do we, you know, what yeah. is their main strengths? You know, do we go heavy on defense? Do we go toe-to-toe with them with a, a high-octane offense? Um, and so they'll have had those plans in line ready, and then they've seen an opportunity to pounce, but then like we said, the Chiefs have changed that. They've gone through into this transition. Yeah, period. but I, I, the Chiefs haven't. The Chiefs haven't changed 
the way that they are through design and that was more um through circumstance like yeah. the Chiefs yeah. didn't come into this offseason planning to lose Tyreek Hill they, no, no. I'm uh, the only one I think we can say safely that they were happy to not bring back from the cheat now last year was was Tyron Matthew if, if you believe what he says about no deal being offered I I, I think I, it's more so that I the the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Raiders, maybe they felt that they they were lacking like a couple of superstars, where the Chiefs have superstars, and maybe they felt like they needed to add a couple. So I'm going to put this question to you. Obviously, the, the Chiefs probably took the biggest deficit this 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 offseason. I think that's fair to say. Out of the four teams, um, they took the biggest drop off because I think the other three teams made the biggest step a bigger step up, which yeah. is fair. Yeah. They all improve. So uh, out of everyone, like, is it the Chargers with Khalil Mack and JC Jackson as a pair? Is it Broncos with Russell Wilson? Is it Raiders with Josh McDaniels and Devante Adams? Which one of those teams has will, will end up making the biggest jump out of those three? Well, and which we, player has defined it? We've said for a long time that we felt that the Broncos were a quarterback away didn't we? We felt that they were a quarterback. I wouldn't away. say a, quarter, a quarterback away implies that they were a, a, just what that one player away from being a Super Bowl winner. Like, I don't think they I were ever they, a Super Bowl. No. I wouldn't say they were a Super Bowl. No, but I mean, they were the, I think a quarterback is the difference with, with them getting into the playoffs or not. Yeah. And I think Drew Locke was clearly not that that player that they all no, absolutely not. And so you're getting somebody who's a, a veteran in, in Russell Wilson, who is a phenomenal player. I mean, we've said that many a times before. He mm. how he manages to drop the the ball in a basket like he does is mm. he's, he's such a great player. So um, I think it's difficult to say because all three teams seem as though they've really kind of leveled up and they've really kind of leveled up, and like you said, superstar status, but also they've filled in the gaps that they've needed to actually elevate themselves a bit more. Yeah. Um, I'd say the Chargers are probably better suited. And I hate saying that because we always say, oh, it's the Chargers, it's the Chargers this year. But I feel like the Chargers, especially with that pass rush they've got now, are mm. going to devastate a lot of all lines. They're going to really devastate a lot of all lines. And you've got that other factor of Justin Herbert being an absolute machine. He's a great player. You're not even going to... So you're talking about pass rush, you're talking about uh, Justin Herbert, and we're not even going to mention the fact that they've got... Chris Harris, Darwin James, and JC yeah, exactly. Jackson in the secondary. We're not going to talk about that. JC Jackson like, was a but, phenomenal signing. Yeah, you know, I, it, I've been. I've, I love the Chargers. Uh, I don't love the Chargers. Don't edit. Don't <laughs> make that into a bit. Right. <laughs> don't make that into a bit. I love what the Chargers done this yeah. offseason. I, I, I think for what they need um, to to get themselves over the. Um, I think yeah, Justin Herbert is is yeah. is a feeder. Right. If, if if Patrick Mahomes is is Neo, Justin Herbert is Trinity. Like that's like let's let's be honest. Like, mate, I was going to say Morpheus, but I've not really seen any of the last few Matrix films to to make that judgment. Does Morpheus come good again? I, I don't know. Does, 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 does the, the last Matrix film I saw, he died in. Um, so. Spoilers. <laughs> did he die? I can't remember if he died. Can no, he didn't. He was saved. He was saved from that tower, didn't he? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Digress. Uh, I was not expecting to take this conversation down the route of Matrix One. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, do you know what? I really, really enjoy what the Raiders have done. I, yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I do. Like, uh, if it wasn't for the hiring Josh McDaniels, I'd be so much higher than the Raiders than than that. But 
I just Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and Hunter Renfro is yeah. one hell of a pass catching trio. And for all the crap that we give Derek Carr, and we do give Derek Carr a lot of crap. He's crap. He's not that bad. He's crap. <laughs> really? he's not, what are you talking he, about? He is, he is a top 12 NFL quarterback. It's a top 12 fumbler in the back of the end zone. That's what he is. Yeah, yeah. He's a top one of that. But And <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I think the Raiders, they could protect Derek Carr. And that's a big if. They could be like, good luck. They were the team that finished second in the division last year, remember? It wasn't no, the, the Chargers. It wasn't the Broncos. The division they was crap. Second. <laughs> they, 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 they made the playoffs, not the Chargers. They did. Think about how much crap the Raiders went through last year. Yeah, they did. So yeah. much. They had so much turmoil, and yet they still managed to make the, the playoffs with an interim coach. And I think if that was us, and we were in, if the Chiefs were in the Raiders position, we would be very high about our team going into the new season, especially had they just signed Devontae Adams. So if we put ourselves in Raiders' shoes for a minute, I think we should be high on the Raiders going in. Whether whether they, they, whether they're going to be a Super Bowl team or an AFC Championship game team or even a divisional game, I don't know. I don't, maybe not. Maybe that's a bridge too far. But are they going to be highly competitive in a highly competitive division? Absolutely. They are not going to be the team that everyone bullies in the AFC West. That That's much more likely for me to be the Broncos than it is the Raiders. I think that's clear in this, that there's not really going to be a team that's going to be bullied in the AFC West this year. It's going to be that no. tight. That's what, I, that's what I feel. It's going to be really tight this year because, like we said, everybody's leveled up. And But I do think Derek Carr is definitely not the player that the, the, or the quarterback that the Raiders need. I think over time we've seen that. I but I, I, I think don't, he can. Don't, de- don't defend Derek Carr. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. <laughs> like, don't you dare. I hate him. the guy liner and everything like that. But I, no, I, 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 I think you can maybe not win a Super Bowl, but I think you can be frisky in the AFC with Derek Carr as your quarterback. I do. No. I, I just don't, I seriously don't see it. It, it. I mean, it could prove me wrong in this, uh, that the fact that he probably didn't have the weapons and like yada, yada, yada. But his biggest problem is that he's crap against the Chiefs. That's his biggest problem. Yeah. Like he cannot, okay, he's beaten us once in the last few years. And obviously, his first ever game or first ever win was back in 2014 against the Chiefs. But in general, he is very, very bad against the Chiefs. And yeah. that has been his issue. Because against everyone else, he seems to be okay. Mm. And he seems to command a lot of respect from everyone across the league because how he performs against other teams. But specifically against the Chiefs and specifically in Arrowhead, there's something about the Chiefs that scares Derek Carr into being a terrible football player. And if he can get over that, then why not? Like right now, if you had to line up our three best um, coverage players against Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, I've, I put my money on the Raiders receivers to win that. And so, you know, I'm not sitting there saying, oh, they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I think they're going to be frisky. So you think you think the Raiders are going to finish higher? Oh, we're, not, we're not making predictions. Right, we no, are no, not no, no. making predictions. We said it is June the 9th, Brad. We are not <laughs> making any predictions on June the 9th. No, That's no, not I'm... happening. No, what I was saying is you you think the Raiders are in a stronger position to challenge for the title this year than what the what the Chargers or the Broncos can muster at the minute. Is that what you're saying? 
certainly the Broncos, maybe yeah. not the Chargers. I, I, the Chargers, the Chargers have Justin Herbert, and yeah. they have all these excellent pieces on the on again. My my problem, I suppose, like the Raiders with the Chargers is Brandon Staley. And whether he can rein himself in a little bit and stop believing his own hype and stop watch every time the Chargers cut up a video of his own press conference, he's like instead of instead of just watching him over like twelve times and patting himself on the back as he's watching him, maybe he can concentrate on making like good decisions on on the field. Yeah. Like if he can rein that in a little bit and not cost his team so many wins, then yeah, the Chargers absolutely can win. 11, 12, 13 games, yeah, comfortably. The, the one thing I will say that concerns me a bit is on the Chiefs side of things is we we look like we have the worst pass rush out of all. Out of look all like. Yeah, out of all of the AFC West. Randy now, Gregory, Bradley Chubb, Khalil Mack, yeah. Joey Bosa, Chandler Jones, Max Crosby, yeah. skinny Frank Clark. <laughs> skinny Frank Clark. And a rookie, which no doubt I think he's going to be good. Uh, don't yeah. get me wrong; I think he's going to be good. But throwing him in there um, and and expecting big things from him straight off in his first season. I mean, uh, no hopefully, sure. hopefully he can do that. But it's a lot of it's a lot to ask. Yeah. And like you said, if we've got skinny Frank Clark, what's happened to Frank Clark? By the way, I don't know. Why is he? I don't want, why is he like, so much? I don't want to make I don't want to make any jokes about like about about the guy anyway because like he's obviously had issues with st- stomach stuff uh before but he he does look lean should we say very lean uh compared to what we used wide to see. receiver lean that's how he looks uh, yeah like like don't get me wrong I, i'd much rather have his figure than my figure there's there's, there's no <laughs> doubt there's no doubt about that but i sometimes I, I saw those pictures of him and i was thinking that that, that he doesn't look like a defensive end at the moment and he's still got time well he's still got a few months to build his body back up and put on some weight and then he's a, he's a professional and there's there'll be people in the chiefs that can help him put on back put on weight i just hope it's not a sign of something more serious going on with it with his health yeah yeah that, that's yeah that's a big worry if, if, if that is what's going on but um yeah i mean it, it really doesn't instill us with confidence that we're going to get to the quarterback much this year. Um, no, so it's the, Chris Jones or bust, really, isn't it? It pretty much is, and 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 really relying on the coverage. Really, mm-hmm. I suppose that's the that's the key thing, isn't it? Really, but um, but it 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 is pretty much a duel of fates between all four of those, isn't it? Mm-hmm. All four of those teams. It's it it's such a a loaded division, more loaded than than what I can see from any other division at the minute. hundred percent. I think I think the, the all eyes are really going to be on the AFC West this year, but yeah, um, yeah. Not- I, I, I tell you what, I said I wasn't going to make a Bridget, uh, prediction. Um, you got I will ma- I will make one. I think for the second year in a row, the the regular season will end on an all AFC West tie on yeah. Sunday night football. I agree with you. I think it will go down to the wire. Go down the last game, and like we said, we haven't even discussed the other AFC West teams' strength, strength of schedule, but it. I think a couple of them are really, really difficult as well. Just almost as difficult as what the Chiefs are. 